in a world filled with wizarding wars and talking. One podcast dares to talk back. This fall, wizarding war talks back. Get away from me! No, I'm not gonna screw you. This turn into a '90s action thriller. Part three. Oh dear God! The return of the return. Bruce Willis is Justin Zagri as himself. I'm Bruce Willis now. Okay. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hey, watch yourself Bruce, from Kids oh, Show. Right. You're Jason Statham now. Oh, after, yes. After that potty mouth of yours. Jason Statham. Mm-hmm. I'll be the rock. I'll be Super restarting tough, my heart the entire time. I keep, I keep my language down. Yeah. That's smart. I'm sorry, Grandma. <laughs> Welcome to uh, <laughs> Wizarding War Talks Back. Episode three, where Part we are three. talking about chapter three, expectations. Great title, by the way. Yeah, thanks. You seem to be good with titles. Yes, one word titles only. <laughs> yes. How you doing, Garrett? Doing good, Justin. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. I'm excited. How are you, Kevin? <clears throat> Hi, I'm here. Hi. Hi. I'm good. I'm good. good. I'm, happy to, I'm happy to be here. Good, good answer. How are you doing, Kevin? <laughs> Hi, I'm here. <laughs> by I the way, occupy this chair. In, this, in the middle of the frame, in the yeah. middle of the table. It's but... like it's all about you, which is hard for me to deal with. Yes. But I'm doing well. Yeah. So we are uh, three episodes in, three chapters in, and our characters have made some progress, some mm. positive, some not so positive. But it uh, seems like things are uh, kind of smoothing out a little bit for, uh, for, our, for our friends, the Marauders. They're kind of figuring themselves out, uh, except for that fun little cliffhanger at the end. I- I yeah, gotta disagree. I don't think things are smoothing out at all. Well, I mean, so? they're 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 out of the woods. You finally, yeah. Got, this at is, least Remus is out of the woods. Yeah, right. The, the first <laughs> happening that was started at the beginning of the film is finally over. Right. They everyone has moved on from that occurrence. Right. Or at least enough to where they can start doing other things. Yeah. This they get to breathe now and go. <sighs> Let's work backwards from the yeah. end of the episode. Let's work backwards from the cliffhanger. Okay. Okay. So you finally get Remus into your flat. Like, <laughs> yeah, finally. Finally. I mean, that there was a lot of pushback, <clears throat> right? Why do you think uh, that he was so bit. overcoming to see your place? I think Remus is ready to move on from the group. I mm. I do. Mm. Uh, after Everything that went down, like, they were leaving high school. They were going to move on to their lives. He says in the film, like, I suppose we're all going to go get jobs. Like, he's following the path that is pretty common, that you're going to graduate from high school and you're going to make something in the world. Yeah. Not to say they're gonna, he's going to abandon his friends, but there, there is something to move on to. Mm. Yeah. And instead, that night, they go back into their old habits. Yeah. And it gets way out of hand. It causes a whole lot of fallout that it was not expecting and disrupts you know, the everything is going to be fine and we've got everything under control mentality, especially after this cliffhanger. Right. So I think, like, I'm not saying he was ready to abandon the group, but he was ready to move on with his life into the next part of it. And then after everything that went down, it wouldn't be the worst thing for him to get better friends. Oh, so dang. Like, like, as I mean, from Remus's point of view, I, I understand Remus's point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have a question then for you, like looking at him as serious. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Remus was going to stay with the group if we hadn't all gotten to a giant fight yeah. with Snape? Do you think he would have stayed yeah. friends and not moved on? 
I do, I do, and uh, probably I think you still I... would have had a little bit of trouble. Sorry, go ahead. I, I'll I'll amend. I want to hear that because okay, so everything I just said probably comes from the perspective of <laughs> Sirius, who's freaking out that Remus is going to leave the group, and that's the last thing he wants. Um, so yeah, I'm heavily biased to that perspective because mm. I play Sirius, but um, I I feel like everything would have just like not that they would have stayed in high school, obviously, but they'd still be friends. There's no reason for everything to change, mm-hmm. right? But, this whole um, fight in the woods was a catalyst that disrupted everyone's lives, you know, not for a long period of time, but pretty severely. Yeah. Sure. It's screwing up uh, Lily and James's relationship. It kind Wait, of it is? showed that Peter's not... It ain't in a good place. Yeah. Lil- Lily wasn't very... Uh, I don't want to Wasn't very it. responsive. Of course you don't want to talk about it. Okay. Um, Peter's kind of shown some, you know, not as faithful colors, you know, and and kind of a turn of that is uh, that he's seen Sirius didn't really like hold up his end of the deal and protecting his friends. Mm-hmm. Like he's just kind of, I think he's found the faults of everyone. And Remus has. Remus has. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And seeing this, like, kind of, it's like the rose-colored glasses were taken off for him. Mm. And I think we're taking so, off the rose-colored glasses for like for the audience. Yeah, yeah. And now they're now they're dealing with the fallout and the consequences of those rose-colored glasses coming off. Because I feel yeah. like Remus the whole time. I mean, even in Severus Snape and the Marauders, the whole movie he's like, guys, you have to own up to the fact that we can't, this is not going to go the way that we think it's going to go. Right. Like, this is not. We're not just going to leave and everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a werewolf and that's a problem. And like there are real consequences now. I feel right. like he has been dealing with that longer than everybody else in the group. I think last person to deal with it was serious. Do you think that he sort of opened his eyes a little bit more in this episode to the fact that things are starting to fall apart? That Sirius's eyes are open on yeah. that? Yeah. Like Sirius was already in the film, he was already worried like that oh everyone would go up and get jobs and like we just won't hang out as much. Like he wants to keep the band together, is the right. phrase I always use. But I feel like now he's really shaken up going, oh, God, it's it's worse than just, like, we're not going to hang out as much. Like, they're going to leave, like, straight up leave. I will not have a place anymore. And the pe- the only people I care no about. To, no one to turn to. Yeah. No family. Like, yeah. 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 He, he never belonged until he met these guys. Right. And and they're the only people he really cares about. Yeah. It's so. True. That's it's devastating for him. So everything's probably a little amped up from Sirius's perspective, right? Why do you think it was so important for you to get Remus to see your new flat? Because uh, if I can't get the whole group, if I can't get Ringo and George to hang out, like I at least <laughs> want to get John and Paul to stay together. You know, <laughs> right. okay, so, which one's John? Huh? Let's 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 assign yeah, let's Marauders to down. Beatles. Uh, we, we haven't done that officially. Uh, so I've I've put a little bit of John Lennon into my character. And yeah, that was that was come watching. But if we were looking at the personalities of these characters of the, of of the Beatles, yeah. the, those people, and we have equated them to the characters, mm. so I, I I don't necessarily put John Lennon in, into serious oh, yeah? serious camp. No, no, oh. I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know if I would either. Yeah. I would put more Remus in John's shoes. Yeah, I would too. He's more of a thinker. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I mean, Ringo, I would think is. Peter. So, yeah, I, I feel I, like... And he's... What's funny is that Ringo's going to outlive all oh, of them. Oh. <laughs> um, oh. he, looks, he looks younger than his son. 
Have you seen a picture of them? No, I have not. He shows a picture of him next to his son who is taller and has like gray hair and is like like just looking what? like he's in his 40s or his 50s, whatever he's in. And Ringo's like in his 80s, I think. And uh, he looks like he's, he looks like he's in his 50s. He's, he's in his 50s Ringo right? sold his soul. So, that's how he got into the Beatles as the drummer. And that's why he's still alive. That's why he's still alive. <laughs> right. Um, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I, For that reason alone, I'll, I'll say, yeah, Pettigrew. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd put Remus as John Lennon, and I'd put Paul McCartney as James. So, okay. yeah. I'll make you George Harrison. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Is that. Do you agree, or do you have some different points of view? Well, from my – not that I'm – a real Beatles-ologist or anything, but uh, when I... when I, cause I Hard Day's Night's the movie I've seen the most of them, and that's yeah. the one I like watched to get influence for the character. Yeah. Um, but even in Help and such, I feel like George is... I don't want to say he's the quiet one, but he's the one who doesn't like volunteer a, a joke unless he's prompted. Right. He doesn't like try to get the limelight. Yeah, um, but he's comfortable see, in it. You can see a lot of personality. Uh, how how each one of them responded, uh, their, how their personalities came out when they were in press conferences. Yeah, when they would be asked questions, and some of them would take it seriously, and others would make jokes. And uh, a lot of bands, when they get asked questions, it's 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 very similar questions. Like, are you nervous? How do you feel about being famous? And and they're just like, these are dumb questions. We care about music, so they always yeah uh, answer in kind of like half-assed, kind of mm-hmm. like uh, I always... sarcasm, sarcasm. I always think of uh, the scene, the scene in Help where they go to their respect their big their big flat. Yeah, that's four little flats, and they all it's like the same thing, but all the beds are different, and they all right. have a color or some like I forget like so I know that uh, John's is his bed is in the ground, and I feel <laughs> oh like George God. had a vending machine next to his bed or something like I had some <laughs> weird thing that was just for them, and I, but I felt like George's was the most like George himself is just the most grounded one. Sure, so I've always saw him as um, Remus. Hmm, and okay. I, and John being the one who like will throw out jabs and weird comments and like he'll do silly voices uh, to to girls and try to like just being dumb yeah being a dumb teenager I was like oh, that's serious was yeah. that some of the pieces that like what are some of the pieces of serious <laughs> performance that you took from John Lennon I'm curious um, stuff like that like the faces he would make like just he would crack dumb faces. Um, when they're all sitting together talking about Paul McCartney's grandfather, who's really clean or something like that. And yeah. uh, sn- snorting Coke when someone gave him a Coke bottle. Do you know that bit? No. On the train in Hard Day's Night, they're all handed Coke bottles. And it's super subtle, but John just like pinches one nostril and then puts the Coke up against the <laughs> other nostril. And makes it. And I was like, and it took me twice to see that. I was like, oh, God, he's making a Coke. Oh, silly, joke. man. Um there's this, there is the scene where like they pass by a car with these girls or whatever, and he just bursts in, gets on one knees, and I was like, I don't even know what he says because it's so frantic, but he's basically like just bursts in and like, you know, Connie, take me home, marry me, marry me, love you, and they have to like pull him out because he's just being a ham. Right. Wow. So stuff like that. Yeah. Just just stupid, quick little jokes he would do for his own amusement. Yeah. Right. All right, so getting back to <laughs> Wizarding War. Anyway, hey, that was my fault. I brought up Beatles. So um, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about James Potter. Uh-oh. Um, right. yeah, so, he's our Paul, right? I just want to keep this. Yeah, he's definitely Paul. Okay. Right. He's definitely <laughs> Paul McCartney. <laughs> so we're going to talk about our James Garrett, Paul McCartney, Schwachhauser, Potter. Paul, Paul, I got the hair for it. Paul McCartney. Paul, Mc, Paul, Paul McPotter. Paul McPotter. Yeah, Paul yeah. McPotter. Don't, it sounds like a disease. Don't force it, guys. I got the no. Paul McPotter. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, speaking of diseases, <laughs> huh? Huh? 
That Death Eater scene was pretty awesome, wasn't it? It was. No, he. So James got. Well, he hasn't gotten it yet, but the Potter family has bad news, and it sounds like it's a medical thing. It is a medical thing. So um, if people don't want to be spoiled, then well, they, you should stop listening. But if you go they, to Pottermore, people, people listen to this before they listen to the episode. Yeah, but no, it wasn't. But it, no, 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 no. We don't. No. We don't, ex- we don't uh, reveal what the problem, what their is issue is yet. until oh, episode, I'm not until the next episode. Say what it is. But yeah, okay. you can tell from context it's so, something medical. Yeah, I won't. I won't mention it. But if you go to Pottermore and look up the history of the Potters, it's mentioned there. So it's not information that we made up. Yes, yeah. it is canon information. It is canon. So uh, some people debate that Pottermore is not canon, but I'm like, J.K. Rowling wrote it, so... It counts. She no, wrote, she wrote the essay on the history of the Potters, Umbridge, things like that. So, yeah, Which I love. Like, ah, I know we've, I've talked about this before, but I love that she does that. Yeah. Because not only is it a challenge for us making new material to be like, oh, canon's changed. Let's yeah. go fix some things. But it's also exciting that she still goes in and infe- it like infuses life into these people still. Quick theory on, on quick theory slash opinion. Uh, do you guys think that she always knew Nagini was not a snake and used to be a person? No. Or do you think? No. She said that she's been holding on to that oh, really? for 20 years. Oh. Really? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because Nagini is... Naga not... is a type of snake person. Oh, yeah, well... and not necessarily more <clears throat> intelligent than like the owls and things, but Nagini being a horcrux, I feel like couldn't just be an animal. Yeah. I've always okay. got that impression. Like, mm. Nagini throws herself into the fight just as much as Hedwig or Fox did. Sure. So I had no reason to believe that Inigini was any more intelligent than these beloved animals. And, you know, Phoenix is a magical animal, but Owl is not. But in the Wizarding World, they... Owls are pretty magical. Owls are magical, and so snake... Why can't just common snakes be magical? Right. The one one talked to Harry, you know, to a degree. So there's a level of cognitive intelligence. Yeah, he has parcel tongue. But it's not just that the snake went out and went free and walked off you know? it, <laughs> it was like, like i'd love to go to brazil yeah, yeah it had a conversation it had hopes and dreams yeah. it did have hopes and, i mean it, it is interesting that like <clears throat> the animals are very cognizant you just can't speak their language right yeah. in the harry potter universe same with uh, everyone overlooks uh, hermione's cat mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. was very intelligent right. and she, it was it was suspected that he, he that he was a type of cat uh, also he had lots of conversations with serious as dog as padfoot <laughs> so i always was interested in like what, what the level of intelligence that crookshanks had it, it didn't go into it in the movies at all but yeah. the oh, yeah. books was definitely there's definitely. that cat was more than a cat um so okay let's talk Wait, about james potter we've got to get to so um i kind of wrote uh, Euphemia and Fleamont hmm. in a couple of different ways uh, based on the information we had on Pottermore which was b- pretty basic uh, Fleamont got a lot of trouble uh, thrown at him and thrown at others because his name people made fun of his name yes so he became a very good duelist because he was just constantly fighting like a boy named Sue yeah so yeah. Um, that gave me a lot of information as to why James Potter is the way he is. So yeah. not only is he an only son, and Euphemia and Fleamont were very old when they had him, so he was very uh, uh, he was pampered, very heavily pampered, because they were so excited to have a first on, and only son. Um, plus, they were super rich and way richer <laughs> due to the sleek easy potion that Fleamont created, which right. I thought was even 
just such a great insight into James Potter's personality because his dad created this potion to slick back your hair, which he refused to use. Right. Except for in one moment in the uh, Severus Snape and the Marauders. Because it was just after graduation. Right. It was just after graduation, and he was just tr- trying to be starting to try and be an adult. So, um, well, if there's ever a time you're gonna like dress up for your parents, it's graduation day, right? Yeah. And your wedding day, and your wedding day. Oh right. yeah, that one too, I guess. But you know, in his wedding day, he's described as having just the same bushy hair as usual. Yep. So, Which is my awesome. my question is, what do you think, uh, based on the writing that I created, uh, you think your relationship to your parents is? Because you were pretty combative, didn't want to talk. Uh, and Euphemia and Fleamont were getting, were being pretty pushy. Even Fleamont was just like, you don't have a choice. Speak right. up. So what do you think your relationship was to your parents before this, and why do you think you reacted the way you did? Well, I think this is kind of twofold. I think that having Sirius sort of as like a surrogate brother who would stay over, and, you know, he sort of became a part of the Potter family. He was always over. That's how he became such best friends. Sure. I think... Going to school was like my way of getting out of being in this kind of sort of pampered place. I feel like my parents were very good parents, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, like I wanted to go out and do my own thing. We wanted to go out and set off, you know, fireworks somewhere. We wanted to get into some trouble because it's fun. Sure. Um, I think that I was always encouraged to be myself and stand up for what I thought was right. And I got frustrated in the sixth year when they kept saying like the way that you do things isn't right. The way that you bully people isn't right, you mm. know, and that got me frustrated because I was bullying people, I thought, for for good reason, mm. you know. And so when I come back and I know that I've done wrong, the reason I'm so combative is because I know they're going to be upset with me. Right. You know, it's like when you stay out past your curfew when you're a teenager and you know when you come home, you're going to get yelled at. And it's like you get home, you're like, I don't want to get yelled at. I know what I did was wrong. I'm right. over this conversation. Yeah. And I think that's where James is coming from. He looks at himself like he is an adult, like he is making adult decisions. And he's been making adult decisions since he was... I think most people at any age think they're making adult decisions, even when they're five or six. That's the way I felt. I felt I was doing the right thing, and I was being making an adult decision. I just had no experience. Well... And even when you're 18. Yeah, kind of. I, I definitely there's there's that where he's thinking like I'm making it you know I I know what I'm doing but yeah. when I was a kid and I would make choices I would think I this might not be right or wrong but like I'm a kid and like I really think this is gonna be fun yeah it's yeah. what was prevailing in my mind more is like is it gonna <laughs> be more fun to jump on this table yes is it gonna be more fun to like do this yes I've done that <laughs> but when I get older I was like okay what's the right decision for me to make like right. I can't do this thing but this I think is the right decision to make yeah you know and so I think that James is frustrated because he knew that on the outside fighting Snape was wrong. People would look at it and say, what you did was wrong. Right. You said you weren't going to do this anymore. But in his heart, he felt like he was making the decision to protect the woman that he loved. Yeah. So it's really like, he feels really horrible right now because the person he wanted to protect hates him. Yeah. His friends hate him. Yeah. And now he's coming home and his parents are like, we're disappointed in you. And he's like, we'll sh- get in line. Well, I think Euphemia <laughs> was disappointed but and a little shocked. But I think uh, Fleamont uh, had some influence on him as far as his bullying ways. Not that encouraging James line. to bully. But yeah, he says, I got into a fight, all right? Uh, it's know. with Snape. And he says, did, did you, you win? win? Did you win? Right. Because, and I think that, that, that harkens it. back to Fleamont having to fight all yeah, the time in school. I totally agree with and that. And I feel like his point of view was, 
he probably told James, you can't let people get you down, yeah. which can often turn into premeditative actions. Sure. You know, he's like, don't let people bully you. Well, how do you stop people from bullying you? James might thought in his own head, I'm going to bully people. Yeah. Well, so, you let people know that it's going to cost them a lot to mess with you, yeah, so, which is what he's trying to do right, to so Snape. Don't, right. So don't bother because I'll, I'll come at you first. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that he might have gotten, there might have been an influence on that from his dad. Yeah. Again, his dad was never openly say bully people, but he would be like, don't let people mess with you. He would say, stand up for what you believe is right. Right. And his mom would say that too. Right. And his dad would say, stand up for what you believe is right and do everything in your power to support that. Right. You know, and, and unfortunately, James took that in the wrong way where as the Wizarding War was going on in the background while he was going through school, there's a bias against Slytherins. And then he has an immediate bad impression with James the moment he gets on the train for his Snape, first year yeah. with Snape. So he, Snape becomes the embodiment of the type of person that he needs to make sure doesn't mess with him. Or therefore, mess with the people he cares about. Mess with the people he cares about. And therefore, he's like, I'm going to go after this person. So, so they stay away from me. I mean, James's biggest problem is his arrogance he believes that the world literally rests on his shoulders Hmm. and i think when he gets home with his parents he feels ashamed for a couple of reasons one because he knows that euphemia is going to be disappointed and two because he lost right he lost doing what he thought was the right thing to do yeah that can really put your your system of logic and like into question and it's not that he lost not trying hard right it's he lost trying his hardest right with his team. Right. Like, he, yeah. he can't even put that into words. It's it's almost the feeling you get. It's, it's, this, this might be a little weird, but it's the feeling you get when you work really hard to do something you think is right. Like, say, back somebody in an election. And you think they're the absolute right person and it's the right thing to do. The, like, on some sides, it's like God ordained this person to be president. And other sides, it's like, I've worked so hard for this person to become president. And then they lose. And your, self, your sense of self-identity goes into question. Because it's like, well, not only should this person have won, but it was the absolute right thing for them to be the president or the governor or whatever. And they still lost. That's so, part of it is that when, when you invest yourself in a cause, yeah. uh, something greater than yourself, yeah. it's still, you make it part of who you are. It, it, part of it becomes your identity. Sure. And it, people do it on very different levels, but you know someone who's a, a fanatic or a zealot or just mm-hmm. on any level of like this cause, this person who I'm backing or whatever, like I'm part of them and they're part of me in some really weird way. Right. So James with his Marauder friends who are part of his identity, defending um, what he thinks is the right thing with his, um, against the guy he believes is everything that is wrong. He believes he's the villain. Right. He's not entirely wrong either. No, but he's also not entirely right. Right. It's the gray area. If there was a person (laughs) from that, from uh, an antagonist perspective who defines James at all, in James's mind, it's Snape. So, all of those things are part of his identity. And when that failed him, yeah, when he has to yep. abandon that, mm-hmm. that's devastating. Right. He's, he's he's a part of who he was certain he was is yeah. is no, it's like disintegrating. Who I, it's like who am I? Right. And that lack of confidence can really mess with a person. Well, and that's why he doesn't want to talk about it. Right. Like plain and simple. That's, right. That's it. That's the reason. And I okay. think it's what his parents are going to tell him is going to shake him to the core right. and make him reevaluate everything. Yeah, totally. And that's kind of the idea with this whole series is 
James's particular arc is that he is reevaluating himself. Yeah. Now Snape has his own arc where he uh, we go which we go into which is yet to be revealed. Yeah, we'll explain more of that. Um, but James's arc is like figuring out who he is, where he stands, and what he needs to learn. Right. Um, and it's the same way with Sirius and Remus that their arcs are not as strong as James, but they're all kind of going through this reevaluation of identity where they're, and I feel like Sirius's reevaluation is who am I without my friends? Mm -hmm. And it's not like his friends will always be gone. Will, will always be gone. I mean, at the end of the wizarding war, we know the tragedy that befalls everybody. (laughs) Um, but, uh, He's basically, he's basically like, what do I do with myself if my friends can't be around all the time? You know, Which we th- also go into. I think there's an awesome beauty that Sirius went and bought his own flat. Like, sure. I, I sometimes like overlook this when I listen to the episode, but it's like Sirius has either been in the Blacks family where he was like a paragon or a pariah. pariah this is what I'm looking for. So he leaves and he goes to the Potter's family where he's accepted and is loved like a son. But yeah. you know that it's not your family. It mm-hmm. feels like your family and, you know, you will go there for Christmas mm-hmm. every year. But it's like him buying his flat is like his little piece of identity. Mm-hmm. You know, that's at least how I felt when I listened to it. Sure. I think it was like the third or fourth time I listened to this episode. Um, I I noticed and I don't know if it's because I didn't have the most uh, cohesive performance or what, but Sirius goes through a lot of different, um, emotions or like kind of just like personality perspectives over the, these three episodes. Sure. And I think what's going on through his head, I think why it came out the way it did for my performances is that he's trying to figure out like two things. One, he's trying to like, um, keep the band together, as I mm-hmm. keep saying, by catering to each situation um, and making everything as pleasant and as calm and as cool and awesome. Status like it quo. always is. Yeah. yeah. Status quo. And the other one is, um, be, and I think this is uh, not something he's doing um, actively, it's just happening, mm-hmm. is he's reshaping his view on the world and who his mm-hmm. view on himself because yeah he's he's that independent spirit but he's always been dependent on these four guys and the house gryffindor and his place at hogwarts right that's where he got to be himself sure that's so he doesn't have his house hogwarts anymore um and now his friends are kind of leaving and so he's he got a flat and that's the first step of him becoming himself, but he still doesn't know like what kind of person he wants to be. He doesn't have like a life direction the way that some of these other guys might. And he's kind of just like trying things out. Mm-hmm. Does that this, make sense? This loops me into two questions I want to ask you. Okay. First of all, I want to feel like that made no sense. No, I mean, I, I, I love it. The, First of all, your performance was wonderful. Oh, thank you. Uh, but I, I want to loop into the question I asked earlier. Mm-hmm. Why is it so important that you think Remus needs to see your flat? Is it just because he doesn't have a place to go? Because you could take him to the Potters, and you know the Potters would take him in. So why? Oh, why, why is his it, flat over? Why any other is place? it so important that Remus comes and sees your new place? Um, I think I originally took it as this like, oh, hey, you can get a glimpse of what I can offer you. 
mm-hmm. like we can still be friends. If everything else goes sour, like you should, my flat is great. You should come over and hang out and we can still be friends. Like no problem. It, I think he might even want to kind of like, uh, what is the word? It's the kitchen word. Like he wants to kind of add a little bit of Remus's presence into his flat. He, like he's not ready to go cold turkey and on setting up his adult life. Be totally alone. Yeah. Yeah. So he he still wants to kind of like get as much of his buddies mm. there. At so his flat, just like because like using it with their sort of essence, the word. yeah, just just like you know, the first thing if I got a, a place all to myself, the very first thing I'd do was like open the doors to my friends and be like, oh my god, check out my thing and be a part of do it. Do you think Rima, or and, do you think Sirius was ready to have a housewarming party before okay. it all went to shit? Yeah, <laughs> crap, I can't say that word, it's okay. Uh, and why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't right? he want to throw a party to celebrate? Like, he totally I would. got my own place. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to pay everything, and here's going to be totally kick ass. I'm going to have a Harley in the corner just to look at. <laughs> like, because you suck. That's so you. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Just, he would, yeah, he would want his friends to be a part of that. He wouldn't want them to be exclusive. Right. Do you think there's also a thing of seeing that Remus is like the ultimate outsider. Like you felt like yeah, an outsider and forever. And Remus is like the ultimate for everyone. Like, right. okay. So Remus is like, uh, that one part of like, uh, you shouldn't have instigated. He's like, I'm not going to leave James behind. Like James and me, it's me and James. That's right. John and Paul right there. You right. Know? right. Um, so getting James to come over and check out the flat and to be like, dude, you got to sign the wall or whatever. Sure. That's not going to be a problem. No one has to talk Peter into doing anything. Like not he'll that hard. Yeah. yeah. He'll be there. Remus is the one who is grounded, who is an independent thinker, who is the only one who'd be like, maybe you shouldn't do your own graffiti in your living room. Like, just like, <laughs> whatever. Right. Any any crazy idea that, that <laughs> Sirius has about like, hey, I got a flat. You don't have a job, though. Whatever. whatever. Like, well, yeah. he had, he, he, he had a, an inheritance from his uncle. That's yeah, why. But, so he doesn't but, really have to work. You know, Remus would be the guy to be like, be like but you don't, this is all going to You can't just live day. on that forever, dude. Right, like, for sure. What? Yeah. No, dude, I'm going to throw a, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to christen the place with a week long rager. Right. That's really not a good idea, serious. Ah, right. you know. So, so, so if he can, if he can convince so Remus. He's, so he's kind of like almost subconsciously like, this guy kind of balances me. Yeah. Kind of keeps me in check. Eh, I don't even think it's that. I don't think he like needs. Do you think a, you need a guardian or a parent? Remus's like, approval, maybe. But yeah, if you if you get Remus, not that he needs it, but if you get Remus's approval, you're good. Then like you you can't do no wrong, and and then everybody's in. Yeah. And it also helps that Remus is kind of the linchpin that's kind of tearing the group apart at the moment. Sort of. I mean, it's if you watched episode three, then you know it's coming in episode four. Right. So it's it's more of circumstance at this point that's tearing the group apart. Yeah, because yeah, from Sirius's perspective... Um, but Remus is still very upset with James. He's very upset, but he had time, He's got, he can have time to mull on it, and the marauders can have time to work with him and be like, we can do better. Yeah. But then he turns into a werewolf. I don't, and that kind, also... that's going to cement some thought processes on him. Which, what do you think is going through Sirius's head on that last line when he sees the full moon. Like what 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 would what would be your action plan if you were oh Sirius Black God. in that moment? Um, like are you going to try to preserve your flat cuz you know it's about to get wrecked? Like no, what no. do you do? Hell no. no. What do you do? Um 
<laughs> panic. <laughs> like, okay, so it's it's because the, 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 what's going an through my mind this, so. is like, <laughs> no, no, I mean, like, I don't, I obviously have an answer because I'm writing it, but like, I have, if I were serious and we've done this for years, mm-hmm. we have a plan, but you've never done it alone, and we've, yeah. he's never, he, that's, you never know, but uh, to me, if I were going through this and my friends weren't around, I would be like, I would go into this kind of emergency fight or flight mode, and to me, serious yep. is, a, is a fight yep. kind of guy. Sure. Yep. So he would his his immediate instinct was get him out of town. Sure. Get, just get him out of here. So that's what I that's what I think his his thought process was. Yeah. So, um, so I think the initial thought is like, oh no, not again, and not even that like the wolf scenario, but. When Sirius, or sorry, when Remus went down in the big fight, uh, Sirius rushed over and was like, I'm going to be useless. Like, I have no idea how to fix this. Mm-hmm. So his instinct is to, like, uh, panic and get him somewhere else yeah. that we know how to deal with this. Or right. somebody would know how to deal with this. And then he just bangs on the door relentlessly. Like, he really doesn't have a plan. It's just get him to this place right. Right, that can deal with it. Get him out. And taking uh, information from uh, Goblet of Fire. No. Go- Which one was the one where we first saw the werewolves? No, yeah, there, was, there was three. Book three. Prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. Prisoner Thank, you. Thank you. The one where they introduced the character I'm talking about. Great. <laughs> Both of them. Um, in, in that one, it's when he goes into fight or flight mode, Sirius, or sorry, Remus turns. God, I'm so jangled. Remus turns. Sirius turns. Turns into a dog. Sirius becomes And foot. just like we're on the woods, protect the kids. That's all that matters. Like right. just get through this. Right. But do and you think this is the first time that Sirius has ever dealt it. with his transformation alone? No, I don't. You don't think so? I, mm, I can't imagine. I really can't. Yeah. I can't imagine it. Like I, I imagine the, the Marauders, the, it was in their fifth year that they figured out how to help Remus. Mm-hmm. And it was probably a lot of trial and error about how to figure out how to help him out. I mean, the idea behind it mentioned in, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, and after this, we got to get going. Um, oh, right. Yeah, after he met, he talks about in Prisoner of Azkaban how some of the best times of their lives were when they were on their own and dealing with Remus turning, changing, and how they had so many uh, ne- times where they nearly got killed and they love to laugh about it. Right. So I have a feeling that eventually they got their routine down. Oh, right. Like Peter said, but it was a lot of trial and error about how to deal with that. But I feel like. At least in my opinion, I feel like when they were originally corralling Remus at school, yeah. it was like a triangle of things. You had a big stag and a big dog that would corral this werewolf and sure. tell it where to go, and then they would, you know, Peter would be Peter the one would to... do the thing through the willow, and then they'd yeah. go into the house. Exactly. And like I feel like that got like oil after a while. No, yeah. after a while, yeah, yeah, sure. But, but I feel I like don't th- I feel like to do it alone would be suicide because yeah. if the werewolf turned on one of them yeah. and focused on one of them specifically, mm-hmm. it would tear them apart. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, Sirius is a, he's a great black dog, but I mean, it's not, he's not a werewolf. If, if he's the size of a great Dane, even yeah, let's, let's he's pretend a big, he's, he's a, a huge dog. Like yeah, people, huge. people forget the, one of the things I didn't care for, oh, even is he? they said he was the size of a bear. No, really? Yeah, really. Oh, okay. Then I, yeah, that goes against everything I was going to say. No, but, there are different kinds of bears out there. There's black bears, there's grizzlies, yeah, and grizzlies are like huge. Yeah, but just, uh, could, but, I, just the dog to werewolf ratio. I always felt that. Oh, I feel like. I a, felt that the the stag was kind of the enforcer because he's taller well, and has. huge and he has the big guys. Yeah. Whereas, whereas um, 
the dog you would be more, more like a herd. Mass. Yeah, yeah, you've got more mass. Nipping so like, at the heels. Right. And, the thing that it, uh, yeah, I'm uh, relying on agility. You know? <laughs> like, I'll, I'll end on this. I am surprised that ne- not one of them ever got bitten, ever. Like you get bitten once, you're a lycanthrope. I, there's a lot of there, there's a thing that wizards can do to make sure you don't die, which is why muggles die from werewolf bites and and rarely ever become werewolves in the J.K. Rowling uh, explanations. But they never. I was really surprised that Sirius and uh, Peter, uh, Sirius and uh, James and Peter never got bitten. But I think I, I always thought that. there was. I know we're trying to end on this, and I keep having thoughts. I always thought that there was. When you were in animal form, you could not be affected, infected by a werewolf bite mm, is what I okay. thought. Because you, because werewolves, when they eat, like, let's say, like, took a bite out of, like, a rabbit or something you know, and it didn't kill rabbits, it, yeah. you're not going to have a were-rabbit running around. <laughs> turn it okay, into yeah, that's fair. That's, what, yeah, that's, that's how sound. I always justified it. Okay, cool. So I know we're trying to end this up, but I want to point out something because you keep asking me about uh, why, why Remus. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to point out that. Uh, Peter abandoned them in the fight <laughs> yeah. and James abandoned him after the fight. Remus is the only one who hasn't left yet. Mm. So I think that's another, it's not just like I have to get Remus, but Remus is kind of all I've got left. And you're like, right. don't go anywhere. For the love of for God. The love of God. Yeah. Sleep on my fucking couch. Yeah. Oh, gosh darn it. Sleep on okay. my couch and like, I will watch you yeah. while you sleep. Like, Please don't he's, leave. He's right. like, just don't leave. Yeah. Because if you go, it's gone. Everything's gone. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I can say that episode four uh, is being worked on, um, and we're going to have a little preview at our panel at oh, Wisting yeah. uh, at uh, Los Angeles Comic Con. Yes, yeah, we are. At least we'll um, And but otherwise, if you've listened to episode three, you know that episode four is going to be pretty intense with sound, and like it might take carnival. Yeah, it might take a while. It'll definitely come out in November, but we're not sure exactly when because it's so intense. It's like li- we're going to be literally. This searching is, for brand new sounds. This so, is, oh yeah, it's going to be tough. It's the end of the first act. Too, it's the end of the right? first yeah. act. So this right. is stuff so, is really starting to yeah, this blow it's up. heating up like they would say an NBA Jam. Yes, from oh. downtown. Uh, yeah, sure. ugly yeah, shot. Yeah. Oh, I always hated that one. <laughs> they would go tang. You're like, come on. Yep. All right. See you guys uh, soon with episode four, and then we'll of course have a call back with uh, episode four. Uh, oh, until oh. then, enjoy as we keep managing our mischief. Yes. Peace. Talk back.